five minutes after five o'clock and you are tuned in to KZMU Moab Community Radio on your dial at 106.7 and 90.1. Thanks for being here with us. I'm Molly, News and Public Affairs Director here at the station, and you are now tuned in to This Week in Moab. So earlier, um, just a few days ago, in fact, um, last week in Moab, um, I was able to speak with Cora Phillips, who is Grand County's Emergency Management Director. And we talked on a number of topics, um, but mainly about the 2023 Hazard Mitigation Plan update. And there's a lot of reasons for um, doing this update. It's to identify common threats and hazards that the county faces. And of course, um, find mitigation strategies um, to prepare for them, I should say. We also talked to Cora about um, some high water that occurred about two weeks ago on Thursday, August 17th. And that was kind of the first alert that I am aware of that um, was sent out for the area impacted, which was Mill Creek. So she's going to run through that as well. And then also talk about um, some future hazard mitigation for kind of a surprising event. Uh, What's going on in October, which is our uh, eclipse. Southern Utah happens to be in the pathway of the eclipse. So Cora will talk about um, how Grand County is preparing for that as well. All right. uh, Thanks for being here with us. This is KZMU Community Radio, and uh, let's hear from our community members. Here's uh, Cora Phillips, Grand County's Emergency Management Director. Cora, you've been on the job now. Remind me how long. I started at the end of November of last year, so not quite a year yet. Not quite a year, but there's been a lot going on under your leadership in the emergency management department. Absolutely. I want you to take us through a couple of these plans that you've been working on. Before we started recording, you let me know that you had a feeling that our you know, flood season, our potential flood season wasn't over yet. Monsoon season, I should say. Certainly. Monsoon st- season is ongoing. Uh, we're continuing to watch the radar, have conversations with the National Weather Service and our area hydrologist Mm -hmm. so I can be informed as the emergency management director and share that information so that responders can make good decisions and the public can take protective actions. Two weeks ago um, you sent out some alerts because there was some high water in area creeks so tell us about that. So at about three o'clock I was looking at the radar and the USGS gauges at Mill Creek and Pack Creek. Um, we, re- we have precipitation sensors at both of those locations. And in speaking with the National Weather Service, we were both looking at the information and the radar. And 0.27 inches of rainfall were showing at the Mill Creek station below Sheely Tunnel. And it was showing 68 cubic feet per second at Mill Creek. So if you're not familiar with the term cubic feet per second, that's about the size of a basketball coming towards you. So 68 of those coming down Mill Creek. And (laughs) the storm was, cell was heading north along Mill Creek so that all that rain was continuing to collect in that drainage. So in contact with the National Weather Service, we're looking at all the available information. The decision was made at 313 to issue a flash flood warning for the area to include the North Fork of Mill Creek and Mill Creek. You know, sending messages not only out to the public, but letting 
leadership and responders and our public information officer group know that that was occurring and they should stay tuned Mm -hmm. for additional information. Posting information for the public on social media, sharing that among Mm -hmm. the public information officer group Mm -hmm. um, to match the National Weather Service alerts that were being shared. And then I was actually heading up to Powerhouse Dam to check and monitor and Daniel Lay with the Forest Service beat me up there and he observed uh, what he believed to be 500 CFS spilling over at Powerhouse Dam. Okay. At that point, the decision was made to send out an emergency alert notification. So we a message, which is a text message alert that goes to everyone that would be in that impacted area so that they could take immediate protective Mm -hmm. action. Mm -hmm. Everyone was worked really hard to clear people from the Mill Creek Parkway area and Mm -hmm. the popular swimming areas along Mill Creek. Once the water moved through um, and reached the USGS gauge in town, it read 350 cubic feet per second. So not enough to jump the banks, but certainly enough that if somebody was in the creek, they would be in they could potentially be injured and swept away by that debris, debris flow. Right. So it was a it was a strong debris, strong water flow, I should say. Certainly. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Certainly enough to knock you off your feet. Well, this is um, certainly, as you've been mentioning and um, telling us the story of what happened um, two weeks ago, you know, I'm hearing emergency response is a collaborative effort. Absolutely. Very much a collaborative effort. And there are multiple people that it, it takes a team of people to mm-hmm. have a successful response. And mm-hmm. And part of that is you know, ongoing conversations, like with the National Weather Service, area hydrologists, mm-hmm. and making that information more widely available and quickly making a determination if alerting the public is necessary right. and doing that in a very timely manner. Sure. Um, I'm currently working on some projects to help expand that current mm-hmm. data collection, uh, working with the Bureau of Land Management or the BLM to in place some precipitation monitoring Mm -hmm. equipment in the area so that we can have more on the ground knowledge of what's going on in addition to the radar that the National Weather Service has available. That's amazing. What areas are you targeting with the BLM? Uh, It'll be monitoring precipitation in the area of Mill Creek drainage. Which is, you know, it seems like you've probably identified, like, we could use some extra information there. Uh, Yes. Um, Right now, there's kind of a gap in the information that we can collect. There's the USGS gauges up higher on the mountain, Mm -hmm. and then the gauge after the water would pass through town Mm -hmm. uh, closer to the Colorado River. If we had additional precipitation sensors in the area, we would be able to better track storms, better uh, collect data, on-the-ground data, where how much is actually accumulating, and what does that mean? You know, we can use that data downstream to better predict the impact of these storms if we have a quarter inch of rainfall versus a half inch of rainfall, and what that means downstream if there's storms that are following along the creek or if they just quickly pass through Mm -hmm. and what that means. So with that information, we can better predict the impacts and what uh, responders need to do to keep people safe Mm -hmm. and the level of alerting that needs to take place. 
Okay. So it sounds like um, Green County Emergency Management is working actively with the BLM to get precipitation monitoring in certain areas of the Mill Creek drainage. Is there more? You said you're working on a couple different ways to get more information. Yes. So this is a temporary system until we can implement a comprehensive, robust flood warning system. Okay. Some of the barriers in the past have been funding and the area of Mill Creek is in a BLM wilderness study area. So there's a very long process Mm -hmm. in order to dig a hole, place equipment, and even access some of these areas because of the vegetation that is present or wildlife that is present in that area. So there's some additional logistical and planning challenges. Uh, Yes. Yeah. Okay. But it's moving along. (laughs) Yes, it's moving along and there is tremendous support for these Mm -hmm. projects. It's really exciting as Mm -hmm. an emergency manager to have that collaboration and support and be able to bring all the smart people to the table. Right. Uh, We're in a unique area here in Moab and that there are a lot of scientists and educators and people that want to be involved um, to help our community be in a better space. So um, we've been talking a little bit about, you know, monsoon season and what could come with monsoon season, which is, you know, high water planning for flooding. Um, The Grand County Emergency Management Department has done a lot. In addition, you know, there's updates to our flood emergency action plan. Um, You've told me there are there's more signage. I know I just recently noticed one of the turnaround don't drown signages at low at a low water crisis crossing um in pack creek Um, yes um for spring runoff the state of utah was preparing and ensuring that area counties had the resources that they needed to respond to Mm -hmm. the great amount of spring runoff that occurred Um, so they actually granted us seventy thousand dollars worth of funding which is huge that's it's the first time that has occurred within the state of Utah. Wow. So we were able to obtain three variable message signs, uh, the turnaround don't drown signs at the area, low water crossing, mm-hmm. Stocks Drive, Kirby Lane, um, Old City Park mm-hmm. Drive, and Shumway Lane. Mm-hmm. Uh, we were also able to obtain a skid steer attachment that's used to fill sandbags. Okay. Uh, we were able to obtain a lot of sandbags for the city of Moab. We were also able to reimburse some of the work that Cara with Rim to Rim coordinated uh, working to clear debris from the creeks and do some stream bank stabilization projects among many other things. Um, And then also help reimburse some of the funds that were used to purchase a culvert cleaning device. Okay. So some prep, some equipment, and if we can, you know, talk a little bit about other prep that is happening in your world, which is um, the hazard mitigation plan. This is um, something else that you're getting the word out about. Yes. So what is the hazard mitigation plan? What what kind of hazards are we talking about here? Um, some of the ones that are impact our area most are floods and fires. Right. Um, I think that's all very at the forward thought of our minds here living in Grand County. Mm-hmm. We've had some recent incidents, the Pat Creek fire, Cinema Court fire, mm-hmm. the floodings in August of last year. Right. And 
just on the anniversary of that flood, you know, another flash flood, right? a bit smaller, but sure. um, flash flood event. Sure. Okay. So flood and fire are the main ones. So we work to identify all the natural and man-made hazards. FEMA only wants us to identify the natural hazards, but we've expanded that okay. to include man-made hazards, whether that's cybersecurity or uh, hazardous materials incidents, just to name a couple. Wow. Okay. Planning, like where did this come about? You know, why are we doing this? And what is this plan going to be used for? Yes. So... FEMA requires us to have a hazard mitigation plan to include those hazards that we see and opportunities to mitigate that. It's also required to receive FEMA funding. If we don't have a hazard, an active hazard mitigation plan in place and a disaster happens, if that's not in place, we won't be able to receive FEMA funding to help recover from an event mm-hmm. such as a flood or a fire. So this is a little bit like of our insurance plan. Right. Sure. It's a plan that actually outlines um, steps, but it's also required under federal standards. Correct. So mm-hmm. we've identified different hazards in our area and then opportunities to mitigate that. So mm-hmm. we've identified those projects so that we have a plan for moving forward mm-hmm. and to help make Grand County residents, our communities, safer. Now, you recently invited the public um, to attend a meeting that was part of a, a regular planning meeting related to the hazard med- mitigation plan. Um, how did that go? You know, you had members of the public attend, you said, virtually and in person. Mm-hmm. Like, were, what kind of questions did people ask or information did they want to know? Yes, our local emergency planning committee meeting is meets quarterly. It is an open and public meeting, so it is recorded. The minutes are available, and anyone is welcome to attend that. Uh, we have a in-person option and also a hybrid virtual option mm-hmm. to help make that meeting accessible and that individuals can watch that recording afterwards if they're unable to attend. Um, So yes, during that meeting with the discussion of the hazard mitigation plan, we had members of the public, responders in our community, elected officials uh, present at that meeting, and all were contributing to that plan's development, Mm -hmm. making sure that we don't miss any projects or opportunities to mitigate the hazards that we see in our area, whether that's discussing the stormwater stormwater drainage Mm. or um, some of the hazards that we might not be aware of if you don't have everyone at the table you're going to miss things and I feel really good about the participation that has taken place over the past two local emergency planning committee meetings or LAPC meetings I feel like we should mention that um, there is a survey that's out there um, related to the hazard mitigation plan so tell us about the survey yes so If you are not able to attend our local emergency planning committee meeting, you're unable to designate the time to watch the recording, certainly we encourage you to visit the website to participate in the online survey. Everything's confidential, Mm -hmm. and it will make sure that your views of the threats to Grand County are included in the plan. You know, why we reach out to the public? You know, I, I hear from you saying that um, we want to make sure that we get a lot of input so that we're not missing anything, right? Is that kind of the point of reaching out to the public when it comes to a plan like this? For me personally, it's important. I During my time with FEMA, I see what can happen when individuals are left behind in the mm-hmm. pro- planning process. Sure. And 
those that are disproportionately impacted by disaster are not included in the planning process. Mm-hmm. Um, right. It's quite tragic. And for me, it's really important to ensure that those people have the information, the information is accessible and they can participate in the plan. So yeah. their experiences, what happens during a disaster, mm-hmm. you know, we need to be responsible for mitigating that. And that survey is available now um, online. What's the timeline on this hazard mitigation plan? So our hazard mitigation plan, it's a living document. We are keeping that survey open. So even after we have that FEMA-approved plan, we still want to continue receiving information from the public. Hazards can change with, you know, changing environment, changing technology, or just increases in population, like we're seeing here in Moab and Grand County and really mm-hmm. around the country and the impacts of increased visitation. Right. So it, it's a living document that we continue to review after major incidents, we're reviewing that document mm-hmm. where if a new project is a, identified, we include that in the hazard mitigation plan. Okay. It's not something that is meant to sit on the shelf and collect dust this document even though it is a requirement right under federal guidelines it sounds like it does it will get used yes okay um now speaking of um hazards that are changing (laughs) there's an upcoming event um later on this year yes we have the annular ring of fire eclipse that is occurring on october 14th of this year which happens to be a saturday all right so why are we talking about the eclipse when it comes to emergency management good question uh so the direct viewing path is actually outside of moab and many people have asked me why are we why is this a concern? You know, most people will be to the south of us. It's going directly over Mexican hat. Mm-hmm. Why is Moab preparing? Well, I have an answer for that. Okay, great. <laughs> um, so Moab is a tourist destination. The eclipse itself lasts less than five minutes. Wow. And in talking with emergency managers that were present during the 2017 total eclipse, I've gotten a lot of really good information on how to best prepare our community for that influx of tourism. Mm -hmm. People want to do more than just view the eclipse. They want to see other things in the area. And we already know that Moab is a huge tourist destination, not only locally, Mm -hmm. but internationally. October happens to be a very busy time of year for us, where on a normal weekend, hotel occupancy is around 90%. Mm-hmm. In working with the State Information and Analysis Center, or SIAC, they are estimating 78,000 to 314,000 visitors coming to Utah or from other parts of Utah for this event. That's a lot for our little area. Absolutely. We do have a lot of infrastructure. We are set up to serve tourists. However, I still think that the influx of tourists will impact our area. You know, if this concerns individuals, we are encouraging folks to consider stocking up on groceries and they have enough fuel in their vehicle. Right. Yeah. So maybe um, anticipation of not, you know, anticipation of a large number of people that could put a little bit of strain on, you know, grocery resources or gas resources. Correct. It will probably 
take a little bit more time than you're used to to get from point mm-hmm. A to point B in Moab. It might take a little more than seven minutes. Okay. <laughs> and then we, um, emergency management, also thinking about the eclipse because, well, you can't really look directly at the eclipse with uh, just your eyeballs. <laughs> Correct. Yes, you'll want to have solar viewers that comply with transmission requirements mm-hmm. on the glasses you'll typically see. ISO 12312-2 international standard. Mm. Without that certification and looking at the ring of fire eclipse, without those glasses, you could potentially damage your eyes. Mm-hmm. So make sure that it does meet that standard. Okay. And again, that's ISO 12312-2. Now, in addition to getting information out to the community and sort of prepping all of us, you know, for an influx of people and for what the eclipse is going to be like, you know, what what else is um, emergency management doing um, to prepare for the eclipse? I am writing an incident action plan so that should this influx of tourism impact us, we are prepared for that. We have a plan ready so that everyone knows their role. Um, Already, it's a very collaborative project. Grand County Economic Development has uh, created a flyer that you'll see in the public here soon. Um, Artist Eyes has uh, graciously partnered with us, and we're going to include some fire prevention material inserted into firewood bundles sold in our area. Cool. As you know, October is a big fire season as well. Right. That's a, such a creative way of like getting to tourists is um, putting information into a firewood bundle. Yeah, I can't take credit for it myself. Uh, Utah Fire Sense or Utah Fire Info had that information already prepared in their toolkit. So happy to utilize Mm -hmm. and share that and increase dissemination of that message. Great. Cora, thank you so much um, for bringing us through like a few of the major um, projects that Grand County Emergency Management is working on. How is the, like, what is the best way for people to, like, plug in to this department if they have, you know, any comments or suggestions? Yes, if you would like to participate and ensure that we capture your concerns in our hazard mitigation plan, I encourage you to take our, complete the confidential survey at prepare.community forward slash grand. That's prepare.community forward slash grand. If you'd like to stay up to date and find out more ways to prepare yourself, your family, your pets for disasters, uh, you can follow our Grand County Emergency Management Facebook page. It's facebook.com forward slash GCSOEM. So Grand County Sheriff's Office Emergency Management.